Hey, Cloudcast community, listen up. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring and analytics platform. Datadog was built to bring clarity to complex, dynamic applications, whether they're in the cloud, on-prem, in containers, or wherever you run your applications. With powerful dashboards, seamless integrations, and more than 250 technologies they can monitor, Datadog has you covered. Whether it's AWS, Azure, Google services, your popular open source projects and products, or web security and APIs, Datadog can help you monitor them and help you collaborate around troubleshooting them and make sure they're running great. Datadog provides deep end-to-end visibility into the health and performance of modern applications. So try it yourself. Get yourself a free 14-day trial. Go to datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to try out your free 14-day trial. And if you try it out, let them know your friends at Cloudcast sent you, and they'll send you a great, uh, wonderful, soft, awesome t-shirt with the Datadog logo on it. I wear mine all the time. So once again, that's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. Thanks for listening, and here comes the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. We've been doing this thing with the Cloud News of the Week. And, uh, you know, last week we we did a big show, uh, kind of a summary show about AWS. Got some good feedback from people that they liked the format of, uh, you know, kind of going through a big show and, and talking about the announcements. So uh, we will try and do that for some of the major shows. Obviously, we're not going to do them for every show. But, uh, you know, it gives us a reason to, to do some homework and, uh, you know, focus on what got announced at, at really big events and, uh, you know, hopefully share that with all of you. So thank you for the feedback. Um, you know, not a lot of news this week. Uh, the DockerCon event went on uh, in Europe, uh, which is usually kind of their smaller show um, versus the U.S. show. Uh, KubeCon is coming up next week. So I think what we'll do is for Cloud News of the Week, we will probably kind of do some summaries of both uh, the DockerCon show as well as the KubeCon show, maybe as one bigger show uh, as opposed to kind of cramming in just a couple of announcements in a Cloud News of the Week. So uh, look for that in the next week or so. We'll try and summarize all those things together for you. Um, the one thing that I do want to talk about in today's uh, Cloud News of the Week real quickly is it is that time of the year for anybody who's listened to the show for a long time. Um, you know that Aaron and I uh, run in a race that's called the Krispy Kreme Challenge. Uh, it'll be uh, around February 3rd this year. It's always the first sort of Saturday in February of the new year. Um, and for those of you that are new, um, sometimes you'll hear us talk about the donut run or the Krispy Kreme run. Um, in essence, this is our one chance of the year uh, to really try and make a difference in our community, uh, give back, um, really try and help some people. Uh, the basics are this. Um, the Krispy Kreme Challenge is a it started off as a kind of a goofy thing. Um, it's a run. It's about 8,000 people get together in Raleigh, North Carolina. You run from the NC State University to about two and a half miles to the Krispy Kreme. You eat a dozen donuts. I know that sounds crazy, especially if you're listening to this for the first time. And then you uh, collect yourself and run back another two and a half miles back to NC State's campus. Um, so five miles in total, 12 donuts, about 2,400 calories. And uh, all the money that gets raised for the race, uh, both through uh, your entry fees, but also through other charitable donations, goes to help the NC North Carolina Children's Hospital. And the North Carolina Children's Hospital is uh, an organization that really helps children that are in um, pretty 
pretty bad sick uh, situations. So uh, life-threatening diseases, very difficult situations. Um, they do an unbelievable job to help not only the kids, but also the parents, you know, be able to help the parents have a place to stay while the kids are in, you know, typically, unfortunately, longer-term situations. So um, what Aaron and I do every year as part of that is they have a additional fundraiser um, for the race. Uh, Aaron and I, for the last uh, six or seven years now, have uh, really reached out to the, to the Cloudcast community and said, hey, um, you know, if you guys like the show, we always put the show on for free. We don't ask you for anything for the whole year. We try and give you great content. We try and educate you, um, try and make you better in the community. And we, we ask once a year that if you like the show, uh, maybe maybe give back a little bit. Um, none of it goes to us. Every every dime, 100% of the money goes to the North Carolina Children's Hospital. Um, and, it, and it just it makes a huge difference in the lives of those kids. Um, and it's not just for North Carolina kids. There are kids that come from all over the world because they do have world-class doctors that uh, that work with these kids. So um, the simplest way to make a, a, a donation, and these are all charitable donations, these are tax-deductible donations, um, the simplest way to do that is you can go to two things. Uh, if you go to uh, our our websites, uh, thecloudcast.net, up in the top right corner, you will see a big picture of the uh, the Krispy Kreme logo. So if you click on that, you can make a donation. Also, if uh, for some reason you can't find that, if you go to our Twitter feed, um, right in the Twitter feed, there is a link to uh, the Krispy Kreme challenge and our, our donation page. So uh, if you're able to make a donation, we would love it. It'd be great. Um, it helps children in need. If you like the show and you feel like you'd like to give back a little bit, um, that would be great as well. So uh, you'll hear us talk about this periodically between now and February. We're just getting started. Uh, we're very lucky to have raised about $1,200 or almost $1,300 out of a goal of typically we say uh, about $3,500, $4,000 a year. Um, sometimes we raise more than that, which has been great. I think we've raised about $27,000 over the last five or six years. So something that is really important to Aaron and I um, helps us give back to our community and it really helps us recognize the Cloudcast community. So with that, I'm going to wrap up our cloud news for the week and uh, look forward to a really interesting interview we've got looking at some serverless technology. And with that, let's get to it. Okay, let's do this. We are recording this the week of uh, KubeCon and CloudNativeCon that will be out in Seattle. And so obviously, um, you know, what's going on in both the Kubernetes world, but also, you know, kind of the emergence of serverless in that world is, is becoming a bigger deal. So very, very excited today to have a couple of, you know, old friends of the show, some veterans of the show, uh, alumni of the show, both uh, Mark Hinkle and Sebastian Goazgen, who are starting a brand new company called Trigger Mesh. So guys, welcome back to the show and uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with Trigger Mesh. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. You want to start, Mark, or yeah, should I start? So <clears throat> uh, Trigger Mesh is a um, serverless management platform, and Sebastian got um, excited about uh, the possibilities around serverless when uh, Google launched Knative in July, and he started poking around um, with it and was impressed with the technology, and then he um, had asked me to take a look at the space, and uh, through the course of our discussions, I got excited about it, and in September, we formed Trigger Mesh, and We've been working on our product. Uh, we have a few customers already um, that are looking at, at using Trigger Mesh to publish serverless functions to Knative-enabled clusters. Yeah. Um, 
Sebastian, I know you and I were out at the Google Next conference just before Knative was getting announced. And obviously, uh, for anybody who's followed the show, uh, you had created Kubeless, um, you know, a little while back. And eventually, it was part of Skipbox, and you had sold that to Bitnami. But kind of connect the dots for us from, you know, having worked on essentially a a serverless or functions framework on Kubernetes to sort of where um, Knative fits in the bigger picture of of serverless and, and serverless on on Kubernetes. Yeah, totally. That's um, you know a very good question. Um, so uh, Kubernetes has really established itself, as you know, as the de facto standards for uh, managing uh, managing containers, uh, and it has a very strong API that allows us to to build systems, uh, distribute systems on top of Kubernetes. Some people say Kubernetes has become the, uh, you know, the uh, data center kernel, uh, you know, as a reference to the to the Linux kernel. So, so Kubernetes is really the, this foundation on which you can build systems. That's why late 2016, you know, when there was a lot of people excited about AWS Lambda, I said, hey, wait a minute. If we actually want something like Lambda, we can build it on top of Kubernetes. Um, and uh, I started working with one of my uh, friends, uh, Tuna, at Skipbox, and we built Kubeless. It was really meant as a, as a prototype to showcase what you could do with, uh, at the time, Kubernetes third-party resources. Uh, and then that became uh, custom resource definition. So, you know, we, we showed how you could extend Kubernetes and start dealing with uh, a new type of uh, workload functions, and of course that that FAS uh, space, uh, you know, so a lot of uh, other products. There was Fission, a little bit before Kubeless, uh, Open FAS, uh, Open Whisk, uh, of course from uh, Red Hat and IBM, uh, Nucleo, and so on. So there were, you know, th- that space has seen a lot of uh, of products. Um, and I, w- you know, I had been talking to Google uh, on and off about this. They really liked the design of uh, of Kubeless because it was pure Kubernetes, really based on CRD. So they they really liked it. Uh, but there were a few missing pieces like uh, auto scaling, scale, especially the scaling down to zero and up from from zero, uh, which is really key in functions because you you don't want to pay when you're not calling the function. And uh, also a built system if you have compiled language uh, functions like Go and Java and things like this. So we had a few missing pieces. And uh, Google came out with Knative. And Knative brings you those missing pieces, leverages on uh, Istio, the service mesh, to do you know additional security, to do uh, uh, this uh, scaling, uh, scaling to zero and scaling up from zero. Uh, leverages uh, things like Kaniko to do to do uh, in cluster builds. So basically, Knative now brings you uh, all the key primitives to build new systems and especially serverless-like uh, system or FAS-like systems. Um, and we we see all those key primitives: the the build system, the pipeline system, the uh, you know the function, the eventing, uh, which is really key in Kubernetes. In um, in FAS. So, you know, you look at this and, and now it makes total sense, you know, when you look at Pivotal, who is refactoring Riff on top of Knative. OpenWhisk, you know, folks from Red Hat and IBM are definitely taking a hard look at, at refactoring OpenWhisk on Knative. And, and for me, it makes total sense, even though I've created Kubeless, to uh, 
to really embark on the on K native and uh, and and go really deep in it. And that's what we are doing with with Trigger Mesh. Uh, we're building on top of K native, reusing all those key primitives, uh, but now with a extremely powerful monitoring, networking, uh, you know, auto scaling build system, and then providing a, a you know a a kick-ass experience to developers. Here you go. I said, I usually never swear, but I said it. It's <laughs> kicking butt. Yeah. No, that's excellent. That's excellent. Just one one quick clarification, kind of technical clarification. Um, so for anybody that's that's looking at Knative, so let's say you had looked at OpenFAS or Kubeless or you know, OpenWhisk or something in the past, do those essentially go away or is is Knative kind of providing a a pluggable framework for those to still sort of exist for maybe how you run your function, but then it, you know, it manages a lot of other things or do those sort of go away and K native kind of provides that same sort of functionality in, you know, in a different name and so forth. Yeah. Very good question again. Uh, and I will, I will punt a little bit on this one, Brian. Um, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just say that, you know, look at what Pivotal is doing. They're definitely said, hey, we're not going to build Riff uh, anymore, okay. per se. We're going to really use Knative as the core. Okay. So so you see a strong signal there. Uh, I'm very curious to see what OpenWhisk decides to do. But, you know, we're seeing some prototypes coming out of the OpenWhisk community where they're using uh, Knative. And uh, and then you can look at what we're doing, and definitely we're seeing Knative as the uh, you know as the solution going forward. Um, uh, you know, if you if you take one of them, one of the those FAS like uh, OpenFAS, uh, you know, to me OpenFAS provides you a, a very a very nice way to uh, create a function, mm-hmm. and the artifact becomes a, a container. Okay. And then if you just have these containers, you can totally run an open fast function in Knative. It's extremely simple. Okay. You just, you just start the, your open fast container as a Knative service. And then right there, you have the monitoring, you have the auto scaling, things like this. So it, it, you know, it diminishes, uh, what you get from open fast and, and really, uh, makes it, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a system to create the the artifact, yeah. but the entire control plane is now 100% K native. Okay, okay, yeah, that makes that makes sense. And I, I think that was, I think people were were a little confused because you know, as you said, different companies or different groups had sort of stated where they were going. K native came along, and, and people are figuring out, you know, how do you refactor or, or sort of re uh, you know realign to to this sort of emerging standard. So. Um, so both of you guys have been around this space for a while. You were both heavily involved with things like CloudStack. So you, you understand sort of the breadth that people need around, you know, managing these systems. Um, you've also seen the evolution from, uh, you know, people wanting to do things as, you know, distributed software, uh, on-prem types of things to, to SaaS offerings. Talk to us about Trigger Mesh in terms of what the technology is trying to do, how you're going to deliver it out to customers, and, and kind of the, the broader sense of what you're trying to build. I'll, I'll let Mark take that. <laughs> <laughs> the product guy handing back to the business guy. Um, no, actually, I, I think the, the key is that what we see in serverless is that 
the all the providers are doing a really good job of delivering hosting of functions. And the thing is that they all exist in these silos within um, individual clouds. So what we do is we provide a way for us for those functions to um, for functions to actually interact among clouds by hosting them on the trigger mesh cloud and then using event sources to trigger function. Because you know the design patterns in cloud native are now applications that are made up of you know dozens or hundreds of individual functions and those functions are typically in each cloud triggered off of sources whether it's an amazon through kinesis or sqs or um you know you may have other functions that are um uh dependent on messages from apache kafka or things like that and we provide that fabric that allows you to trigger functions across both cloud or multiple clouds, hence the name Trigger Mesh. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, um, give you a CI/CD pipeline to a serverless offering that is either um, for for everyone is the SaaS offering. So we'll deliver that as a software as a service, and uh, um, uh, we'll also have some of our bigger customers who want to um, provide. Amazon Lambda type functionality in their own data center. And these are bigger customers that are doing it at scale and will help them um, instrument their serverless clouds as well. Gotcha. So, so, you know, if I, if I kind of break that down, it's uh, on one hand, you want to make it as simple as possible for people. Hence it's a SaaS service. So there's not platforms to have to go build and so forth. You guys are going to build and, and run that. Uh, rich set of event sources that people can plug things into so you can build rich applications. And then obviously, um, you know, there is a, a huge demand from customers for, you know, flexibility about uh, which cloud am I in? Am I on-prem? Am I in the public cloud and so forth? Um, and you guys are trying to be very, very, very cloud agnostic in terms of, um, you know, delivering a, a rich set of services, but not being bound to any, uh, you know, location or, or specific cloud service. Is that kind of a good uh, summary of, of where you're going? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, I mean, we're operationalizing serverless for developers. So, yeah. you know, they want to just write write their code and make it execute and be able to pull those event sources easily. And that, you know, speeds their time to deployment and lets them write the actual business logic into their applications that is um, of value and codifies the things like event sources and other things across their functions. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yep. And um, it, and it was it was very well put uh, Brian maybe maybe you want a job with uh, with Figmash. <laughs> <I'll> come, <laughs> but if, come over to Hinklandia. There you go. But if I can add something um, you know definitely with uh, with Faz uh, you know you got you got a couple things you got you know let's say three things you got deploying the function um, so we we provide uh, a way to uh, to go from your version control system to deploying your your function on uh, on the trigger mesh uh, cloud. Later down the road, we'll see if there is a very strong appetite to also use trigger mesh to to deploy on uh, on Lambda or GCF or uh, or Azure. But for now, you deploy on the, on the trigger mesh cloud. Gotcha. Se- second thing, it's the eventing, which is really key to build the uh, the complete application. Uh, so you. 
you need to pull events from a, a rich set of event sources, like you like you said. So we have you know sources from uh, Azure, Lambda, and uh, and Google uh, to start with, but we envision to see lots of other sources more. Um, on-prem specific and then specific to other software as well, like e-commerce platform and, and things like this. So we provide those event sources to start building a, a composition of, uh, of function. Um, and, and, and then the, the third thing is, is definitely, you know, where, where do you deploy? Where are, you know, all those, those functions? So we want to, to give that choice. You called it cloud agnostic. Uh, but you know, first we are offering Trigger Mesh as a SaaS because we think it's it's really the ethos of uh, of serverless that people shouldn't have to to take care of installing Kubernetes, installing Knative, and and things like this. Uh, but then you know, people may want to say, "Hey, I actually would like to have this experience on prem," even though you know some folks are going to disagree whether that's serverless or not. But you may want that type of developer experience on-prem, so we can provide Trigger Mesh on-prem, and then you know Trigger Mesh uh, gives you a, a multi-cloud you know type solution through its its deployment and uh, and eventing uh, sources. Gotcha, gotcha. So you know if if we if we get back to Knative a little bit, um, the the nice thing about that is you know it's a it's a framework that like you said provides for a, a bunch of different areas, right? There is sort of serving functions. There is, um, you know, builds. So things around CI pipelines or kind of new ways to do builds on the platforms. And then there's events. As, as, you're, as you're looking at your architecture, you're talking to customers, do you get a sense that, you know, some of those areas are sort of better defined today and there's, there's opportunities for, for innovation and, and differentiation in, in others? Or where do you see, you know, your customers asking you for sort of the biggest uh, amount of, of help or, or, you know, places where you can really help help them um, in the broader Knative framework set? Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take that one. Um, if, you, if you look at the, the Knative documentation, you'll see that uh, it's a little bit intriguing. The, the word serverless is not, is not mentioned. And, and Knative is really about uh, providing a set of primitives to build additional systems on top of uh, Kubernetes. So you have primitives to allow you to go easily from source to URL, okay? So, you know, Red Hat has source to image and things like this. Here we're talking about source to URL. So my code is in version control. How quickly can I get it deployed and managed in production? So definitely there are primitives to do this, and that's the core of the, of the FAS. But... On that path to providing source to URL, Knative also provides you with a, a build system, okay? And the build system actually feels a little bit like an open sourcing of Google Cloud Build, which is a, a very underappreciated service, actually, but it's extremely powerful. And Google Cloud Build uh, is a, a, a CI-CD system uh, light, Okay. So you do get some type of CI/CD in in Knative, and this is uh, being actively deployed and and is soon going to be replaced with a, a project which is the Knative pipeline. So what you get in pipeline is that you get the ability to create workflows and manage workflows. So in the in the last few weeks or few months, you know, if you look at 
there's been quite a few things said about workflows and actions and things like this. So my bet is that you're going to see a lot of interest in Knative Pipeline. And, and even if customers are first interested in Trigger Mesh uh, from a function perspective, from a source to URL, I do think that very quickly, you know, they're going to see that there are a lot of advantages also with pipelines uh, in, uh, in, in Knative. So that's it's one of the examples, right? The, the, the first uh, attraction is going to be the, with the core function and then the eventing. But then the pipelines, I, I think, are going to be... A, uh, a big differentiator and and something that's going to bring uh, Knative to to the next level. Yeah, makes makes sense. It's uh, it, it's definitely a space that people have pipelines but don't necessarily love the ones they have. So definitely an area that can improve quite a bit. Um, you know, Mark Mark mentioned uh, at the beginning, um, you guys already have some early customers. Obviously, you're you're out talking to different people. Um, you know, as the as the company becomes you know more publicly visible, what are some of the you know, common use cases that people are talking about where they feel like, um, you know, they want to A, use functions or, or serverless, but B, um, you know, they feel like, uh, you know, they need a, a, a management platform to help them sort of accelerate that. Yeah. So, you know, I always say it's still, uh, it's still early. If you look at, you know, the, 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 the most serverless usage is definitely, I would say 80% Lambda or maybe 90% Lambda. Uh, but, you know, for the sake of 80-20 rule, let's say it's 80% Lambda. So a lot of people, a lot of people that we, we talk to, you know, it's still exploratory. Let's be, let's be honest. It's still exploratory. And the main, uh, the main pain point is really, hey, I have my developers. They have this code. They don't want to, they don't want to write a Docker file. They don't want to write a Kubernetes manifest. Actually, they don't even want to learn the Kubernetes API. Uh, you know, how can I, get their code deployed and accessible and then managed uh, in production, right? So that's really the, 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 the biggest pain point of, uh, you know, pretty much a developer experience for how do I get my code in production, okay? Uh, we're not yet, you know, they're not yet uh, talking really about events or leveraging events in, in very advanced ways. Um, even though, you know, if, you know, few people know that they can do like ETL, like pipelines and things like this. So, and I would say, being honest, that it's still very early, and the you know the the, the core, the the key first request is really developer experience to facilitate the use of Kubernetes and uh, and deploy uh, apps. Okay, yeah, that makes 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 a bunch of sense. Um, if people are interested in uh, in reaching out to you guys, obviously there's a there's a place on the website that says, "Hey, if you want to get involved, early early customer trials and so forth." Um, where can people, you know, you guys are are always out and about in the community. Where are some of the places that, um, you know, either yourselves representing Trigger Mesh or, or other folks from the team uh, maybe out at events? It could be KubeCon, it could be other events. How can people get in touch with you guys? Well, the best way is definitely through the website and the early adapters program, as you um, uh, mentioned. But uh, we should be at uh, KubeCon and probably a few other events. But uh, right now, uh, we're balancing between customer uh, engagements and industry engagements. So for sure, go to TriggerMesh.com or at TriggerMesh on Twitter. 
Yeah. And are there, obviously as a, as a young company, you, you never sort of want to turn down um, people that are interested, but are there, you know, is there a, a profile of a, of a type of customer today that you guys are, are sort of finding, yep, the product we have today or sort of where we are early product is, is a really good fit maybe versus something else? Well, I think we're probably in sort of that green field as far as other products, but um, I, it's absolutely people who have um, <clears throat> serverless uh, deployments across multiple clouds, um, people that want to run uh, serverless on Knative, but as Sebastian said, don't want the overhead of operationalizing that in their data center or um, cloud providers who want to offer serverless and want to have um, self-service for their their developers as well. Yeah, no, makes makes a ton of sense. I mean, the the whole space is very much becoming. Um, you know, we're seeing some standardization, which is great. We're seeing more and more offerings, which take the burden off of developers or you know people having to hire operations teams that may not be able to keep up with this. So, very very cool that you guys are, are bringing this to market. Obviously, both of you guys have a a deep track record of, of not only building cool technologies, but, uh, but getting successful companies into the marketplace and, and so forth. So guys with that, thank you very much for the time. As always, it's great to catch up with you. Um, uh, folks, if you're listening to this at KubeCon, definitely go track down, uh, Mark or Sebastian, they will be around and about. And, uh, with that, we thank you all for listening this week and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 